My name is Chris Rubio, and I wanted to welcome you to the first episode of The Rubio Method. On today's show, we're going to talk about hoofs. We are going to talk about walking in sandals on ice. We're going to talk about uncharted land, where you live in your heart, in your mind. We're going to have a great, great interview with the fabulous Nick Umble, and then we're going to talk about the bottom line, all of that and more on today's The Rubio Method. Big T, let it rain, Daddy. All right, welcome back to the first fantastic episode of The Rubio Method. I want to bring on my co-host, uh, Nick Monahan. Monahan, I got a question for you. Have you ever uh, had a pedicure? It was one of the greatest. I went with my mother-in-law and my father-in-law, and I would go again any day of the week. <laughs> okay, so I, I just went and had one today. I feel like I did deserve a little bit of pampering. I work hard, so I wanted to go get my hoofs kind of massaged and cleaned up and all that good stuff. So I walk in, and I am the only dude in there, and immediately some older ladies start clapping. And I don't know if that's the protocol or what, but it kind of, it kind of made me feel happy, yet a little odd. Did they clap for you when you went in there or I not? No ovation. So they knew, they must have been excited when they saw you walk through the door. Okay. Well, yeah. I mean, so it must be maybe a Northwest thing or just a me thing. We'll find out later. I plan on going back. So then I go and I sit down and they get these little robotic chairs that have massages and all that. And they put my little hoofs in this the water with all this blue and all. I don't know what's happening there, but I just did it. And she immediately picks up one of my hoofs and starts looking at it. And don't get me wrong, I, I, my, my feet are not fantastic. There, there's whole issues we can do a couple episodes and maybe we will. But she picks it up and she's not a large woman, she's tiny, petite, if you will. And she's got my hoof in her little tiny paw and she's inspecting it like I'm some sort of animal. And I, it made me feel a little uncomfortable, kind of like, you know, you see the gorillas in the zoo and they're like picking like, I don't know what, the ticks off each other or whatever. Did they do that to you or was that just a me thing as well? Rubio, I hate to break it to you. That's just a you thing, man. You're a specimen. <laughs> okay, well, we're, we're going to move on. We're going to get to the meat of this episode. But before we do that, make sure you guys always go to the RubioMethod.com, iHeartRadio, Amazon Fire, Apple TV, NGBN TV, Roku, and Apple Podcasts. Share it with the entire world out there. Big T, let it rain. Focus. Focus up. All right. Welcome back to the Rubio Method. Monahan, quick question for you, my man. Have I ever told you about my story of me with sandals running on my front porch when it was cold outside? Oh, my gosh. Never. Let me hear it. Okay. So, as you know, I live in northern Idaho right now. I live in a fantastic city called Lewiston, Idaho. It's about five hours north of Boise, about three hours south of Canada, about five hours east of Seattle. It is phenomenal, but don't ever visit. You don't want to visit here. Uh, it, the people are too nice. You, you wouldn't like it, Monahan. So anyway, <laughs> I've lived here for about uh, 12 to 15 years, and it's obviously a lot different from where I grew up. I grew up in Los Angeles, called California, actually a city called Covina. It's about 20 miles east of Los Angeles, 20 miles, let's say, north of this land, raised by my single mom. That's a whole separate issue. We'll do a couple episodes on that. I'm sure we'll come, get to those as well. Ended up going to UCLA, humble brag, no big deal, starting long snapper there back when they were very, very good. They've had a little slump since I've been gone. 
I'm not going to say it's because of me leaving, but you can put two and two together. You don't need to be Goodwill hunting to figure this one out with the, the addition and subtraction. <laughs> so anyway, I moved up here to Northern Idaho for a, a beautiful woman, my wife, Jolie. And one day she's going to work. I didn't have a car at the time, didn't need one. She exits the garage. I go downstairs, give her a kiss goodbye because I'm a hero. I walk upstairs. I see her pulling out of the driveway, kind of a 20-yard driveway. I see her pulling out, and I see her cell phone, okay, right on. Wait, wait, now. Rubio, Rubio, what kind of phone was it? You got to let the people know. Oh, it was, it was a, <laughs> it was just, I think it was, I want to say it was at the time of the phone. Oh, and it was very bizarre. Let me get cut to you at a sub story real quick. Let me tell I was talking about how nice people are in Idaho. Speaking of cell phones, <laughs> the first time I ever went into the grocery store, I get to the front of the line and I see this nice certificate with the Idaho state symbol. And it says, when you get to the front of the line, please discontinue all calls. And I just moved up from California. I'm not sure what's going on. I'm, I'm not one of those guys that's on the phone in public regardless. I just, that's just too rude for me, even me. And I get to the front and this typical cashier type person, I say, is this a state law? She goes, what, what law? And I go, this we're here, we get off the cell phone. She goes, no. And I said, oh, she kind of lowers her glasses. She goes, but if you get on the phone when I'm talking to you, you're an asshole. <laughs> and immediately I just started roaring. I said, okay, no problem, honey, I, I got it. And I took my grocers and, and went on my way. Anyway, back to my original story. I got sidetracked there, but it was a good story regardless. So. I get her cell phone, the flip phone or whatever. I think it was, might have been one of those. Oh, gray I had a red one of those. Yeah, these, hers was yeah. gray. So immediately I see she's pulling out, and I have probably eight yards from the kitchen, the kitchen all the way to the front door, open up the front door, and I'm going to sprint out to go deliver my wife's cell phone and be the hero yet again. So immediately I'm in my standard Los Angeles, California gear. Los Angeles, California gear for everyone that doesn't know, it's basically just sandals, shorts, a t-shirt, and maybe a sweatshirt. You, that's just what you wear year-round because in California, there's no seasons. It's just hot. That's all it is. Maybe one day a year you get rain. Up in Idaho, it gets cold. Like right now outside, I think it's like 24 degrees. That's, oh my God, cold. So it was one of those nights where we were super, super cold, and I didn't put two and two together. I'd been living here for a while, but I just had not figured out Cold equals ice equals do not run. So I open the door. I'm in my sandals, my shorts. I think I got a sweatshirt on, just kind of casual like I'm, you know, right now. I open the door and I start to yeah. sprint. And I'm going as fast as I can. And I'm a big man, so this is not a very, very fast sprint. We're talking maybe 60, But in my mind, I am flying. I've got like the cartoon streaks behind me. I'm going. I open the door. I take one step and whoo. I launch, and I mean, in my head, I probably went seven feet in the air and probably nine feet out. In all reality, probably a foot and a half in the air and probably three feet out. But I know I went far enough to where I cleared three steps on the way down the porch. <laughs> and as I did this, I'm in midair. It's one of those where you can see yourself going. And boom, I land straight on my back <gasps> like this. And immediately I think to myself, okay, number one, did anyone see me? No. Next, am I hurt? <laughs> do one of these old man kind of twerk things like that. No, I'm good. And then immediately I was just humiliated. And that's when I thought to myself, 
I'm on uncharted land. This is just one of those things in life. I'm on uncharted land. And that's exactly where this first show is going to go is uncharted land. Because right now, as you know, I'm, I'm in say my mid forties. This uncharted land is what we're going with, with the men's health, the men's mental health. And that's where I'm going to bring you on. Yeah, absolutely. I remember first off, hilarious story of you sliding in the third there. Um, <laughs> um, but I remember the first day you reached out and you said, Hey, Monty, we've got this idea for a show. Uh, with, I remember you kind of talking about it. You know, big part of, of who I am in my journey is, is a big part of mental health. Um, I have my own mental health journey. I, I go to counseling on a biweekly basis. And you had reached out and I thought that was an absolute no-brainer that I hop on the, on the show here. And, and so Monty is going to be the quote-unquote expert. He's not a doctor. Let's establish that. Okay. I play one on him. And I'm going to be just your average Joe. I don't know what the hell's happening, but I'm learning. And our guests are going to help us by their, telling us what they've gone through, the ups, the downs, the ins, the outs. And they're going to be learning along with us all as we get through it. As we wrap up this segment, I want to remind you, you can listen and watch on this, the Rubio Method on your favorite podcast station, iHeartRadio, Roku, Amazon Fire, Apple Podcasts, Apple TV, and of course, the RubioMethod.com. Big T. Let it rain. Unlike other health concerns, mental illness is not always easy to see. D E P R. Mental illness doesn't show up on a scale. Bipolar? Sorting out a mental health concern takes professional diagnosis and treatment. Anxiety. I thought so. If you or a loved one has a mental health concern, don't go it alone. For 24 hour free and confidential information and treatment referral, Call 1-800-662-HELP. Learn more at samsa.gov slash support. This is what too much sounds like. This is what stress feels like. And this is what help feels like. If you've lost a job, worry about your next meal, or have trouble making it through the day, we can help. Text STRESS to 211211 to find a solution. Focus. Focus up. All right. Welcome back to the Rubio Method. Most of you are probably wondering, how did this show come about? What happened? All right. So I'm approached by NGBN TV. They talk to me and they say, hey, Rubio, we've been following you. We know that you're a very good storyteller. You can communicate. You enjoy being on camera. And you have the uncanny ability to make people learn something without them understanding they're learning something. I said, okay, that's, I guess, a compliment. We're going to kind of go with it. But we want you to do the show on men's health or men's mental health, pretty much both of them. So immediately when I get told to try to do something, I'm going to take as much of it in as possible. I'm reading books. I'm watching videos. I'm listening to podcasts. I'm taking as much info in as possible. I'm basically drinking from a fire hose. And the main word I keep hearing, seeing, reading, all of that is communication, communication, communication. And as the word popped up for the eight billionth time, boom, I had an epiphany in the back of my head. And it said, wait a second, Nick Monahan is a buddy of yours, and he every once in a while, about every three or four months, he'll put a, something out on social media that says, if, hey guys, if you have any issues or you just wanna talk, give me a jingle. And so I text Monahan, and Monahan is someone that I've known for probably 15, 16 years, 
As if you don't know, I'm a private football coach. Monahan went through my camps, and he's a very, very boisterous human being. He was always one of my favorites. Don't tell him I told him, told you so. Um, but he was one of those kids at camps that had an overwhelming personality. I always said he's like a newborn Labrador puppy, just full of, full of energy. He's one of the only athletes that I've ever had to say, Monahan, you got to shut up. Just stop talking, man. I, I can't do it anymore. And so we've been communicating ever since then for probably the like last 15, 16 years. He's gone through college. He's married. He's got a kid on the way, all that good stuff. So we know a lot about each other. And the best part about Monaghan and I is that we do not agree on, let's say, out of 10 things, we probably agree on two. And we have had some heated arguments where we've called each other and we've said some things to each other, but it's always been a mutual friendship and love of, okay, you can agree on this, I'm going to agree on that, but let's kind of go through this and kind of explain to one another. And like I said, that mutual love and respect aspect of our lives. So I contact Monahan. Monahan, give me a jingle. He calls me back and I said, Monahan, am I off base here or did you, do you always put out a line that says, hey, if you have some communi communication problems or you want to communicate, give me a jingle. And Monahan says, yeah, absolutely. I would love to be a part of this. Yeah. When you reached out, Rubio, you reached out and said, Hey, I'm looking to do this kind of show. I need, you know, kind of a, a counterpart or a partner in this. Um, are you, you're into mental health that you have your own journey? And I said, yes, absolutely. And, and Bell Let's Talk Day is one of the days that I love reaching out to people and say, Hey, if you need somebody, if you need someone to talk to, you're going through it. It's okay to not be okay. So I jumped at the opportunity. And, and the thing that was so great is I was basically just contacting Monahan to be, if I'm Johnny Carson, he's my Ed McMahon, he's going to be the co-host. And then we started getting into the conversation about men's health and men's mental health. And then I learned, okay, Monahan has gone through some stuff. He's going to talk about his journey along the way and on this show with the guests and to all the viewers and myself. And that's where I was like, okay, this is going to work and it's going to work really, really well. So Monahan is going to be your expert. He's not a doctor, read fine print, okay? but he's one of the people that's gone through it. He's going to be able to help us all out. And I'm going to be your average Joe, where I don't know what the hell's going on, but I'm going through that sweet spot right now. I'm saying mid forties, crawling up there a little bit faster. And I'm experiencing all these things as well. So it's my journey, Monahan's journey, your journey. We're all going to get on this train together and kind of figure out what the hell's happening in our lives. Yeah, and especially in this, you had mentioned it is, you know, this uncharted land that we're, we're heading into. And we're definitely going to go through that uncharted land together and definitely want to be, Rubio, as you mentioned, you are fantastic at teaching people without them knowing that they're learning. And I definitely want to continue just to, to be a supplement, be a, a complimentary to that, to help people who, hey, a lot of them don't even know we're going through it. Um, until we hear, hey, you're not alone and, and this is normal. So I'm super excited for the show and super excited to be here with Absolutely. you. Absolutely. As always, you can always communicate with Monahan and myself. Just go to the rubiomethod.com. Make sure you like, share everything. We have our own YouTube channel as well. Make sure you listen on your favorite podcast, whether it's iHeartRadio, Amazon Fire, Apple TV, Roku, Apple Podcasts, and of course, NGBN.TV. Big T, let it rain. This is what too much sounds like. This is what stress feels like. And this is what help feels like. If you've lost a job, worry about your next meal, or have trouble making it through the day, we can help. 
Text STRESS to 211211 to find a solution. Here's to the straggly ones. The first ones. Hey, I look good with this ones. The black, brown, red, and gray ones. The itchy ones. The ones grown by dad. The ones grown for dad. The I nearly didn't do it this year ones. And the absolutely filthy ones. They all raise awareness, raise funds, start conversations, and save lives. Because whatever you grow will save a bro. Learn more at Movember.com. Focus up. All right, welcome back to the Rubio Method. I'm very excited. We have our first ever interview. Of course, this is the first show, so in case of point, you got the first ever interview. We have the fantastic Nick Umble. Umble, I really want to appreciate your time. Thank you for coming on the first episode of the Rubio Method. Please, I'm not going to do you surface enough. Tell us who you are. Nick Umble, I, uh, I'm just going to run through a quick one. I, I grew up in Iowa on a farm. I joined the Army at 18. I joined Special Forces at like 25 years old, um, 16 years as a Green Beret. Then I retired. On my last year, year and a half in the Army, I met you through the long snapping community. And you undertook that, teaching me how to long snap. And then I went and played a year of uh, NAIA college football. And then I took two years, kind of got lazy. And then about two and a half years ago, I started be training to become a competitive strongman. I'm probably about a year, year and a half out from getting my pro card in strongman. <laughs> okay. You, you've lived five lives in however old you are. Uh, let's just jump into some real quick hitter questions. Ready? Just three questions for you real quick. And I don't want you to think about them. I just want you to answer them as quick as possible. Number one, you ready? What is the best burger you've ever had and where was it? Oh, at the Ram. It's a brewery in the Pacific Northwest. And they used to have one called the peanut butter burger. It, yes. I eat peanut butter on every burger now. Oh, my. Is it on the burger or on the bun? On the bun. And it's, they it's put mayonnaise. Hot? It's like put mayonnaise on a burger. You just put peanut butter instead. Crunchy or creamy? Crunchy. Who, who eats creamy peanut butter? I just know. Know. All right. Number two. <laughs> this is going to be weird because of your job. Do you underpack, pack perfectly, or overpack underwear on trips? Perfectly. I don't want to take them when I have to. Okay, just checking because I always pack for some reason like I'm going to have diarrhea 37 times per day for some reason. I'm, my hand, I'm assuming you're the same way. Right. Number three, if a distant relative gave you a ridiculous amount of money, name one outlandish thing you would buy for yourself. Oh, I'd go put up a 10,000 square foot barn dominium with an awesome gym in the garage. Good answer, good answer, good answer. You flew through those. I'm not surprised. All right, Humble, once again, thank you for coming out. I'm, I'm very excited. You are obviously built differently. You, you're not a normal person. Have you been this way all along, or did you kind of grow into this machine that you are? Oh, I, I grew into it, man. I was an emotional kid. I, I, I grew into this. The Army was the best thing I could have done. So it, but was, did you know you were going to go into the Army right out of the gate? I mean, like 18, you, you turn 18, you're going, or was it kind of, does someone have to slap you around a little bit to get there? Because everyone's an emotional person, especially going through teens. But I joined when I was... I joined when I was 17 years old. My parents had to sign a paper saying, hey, man, you can go in the Army. I was, by my sophomore year in high school, I knew where I was going. But why? Why, why did you know? How did you know? Um, I had a couple of friends I went to high school with, and they used to have, uh, I don't remember the name of it now. They used to have a thing where you could go to basic training between your junior, senior year, and then come back. And then after you graduate high school, go to AIT or your, your, your individual training for your job. 
And so I had a bunch of buddies go and do that. And I was like, oh, this is awesome. And I didn't want to go to college. I hated school. So I was like, oh, this is the next best thing. So that's what I did. Now, Uncle, when you speak, remember, you're speaking to a civilian. And I've, I've, I've joked around with you before. Whenever you do your little letters and times, you have to go <laughs> normal mode. Because I don't know what AIT means. I don't know what 1157 or whatever army times you use. So what was AIT? Did you, is that what you said? So it's like, it's just it's just job training, right? So you go to basic training. And the next thing you know is you be tra- you, you're trained for whatever job you picked in the military. Okay, so, so you're you go going to, into basic training. Is basic training like exactly what I'm seeing in the movies? Is it that bad? I mean, you're 17 years old. You're not even a full adult. Was it? Well, I was, eight, I was 18 at the time. I signed up when I was 18 and went into delayed entry program for a year. And then I went in. I turned 18 in June and I got in in September of 96. Was it the hardest thing you've ever done? At the time, yeah. But when I look back, no, it's probably one of the easier things I've done. That was one of the easier things. If you don't mind me asking, how old are you now? 43 i'll be 44 in june how many countries have you visited or am i am i even allowed to ask 30 plus 30 plus how many countries did you visit before you were 30 oh probably 20 okay so for those who don't know because you can't really see you 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 fill out a double x shirt quite well you are not a small human being you're what (laughs) six three six four two seventy oh no man i'm six four three thirty five now Wait, what? Oh, tank. Yeah, I'm 6'4", 335. 335, that's three spins around the, the old wheel? <laughs> yeah. Okay, so you were not that size when you uh, went into the Army. No, no, when I got in the Army, I was 6'4", 195 pounds. Okay, so what? What? let's go back to the Army here. What motivates you? Because people that are in the Army, the Armed Forces, the military, they're a whole separate breed. I have the utmost respect for them. I tell them all the time. What motivated you, number one, to get off your butt and do it? What motivated you through the times where it was you're running through the mud, you're doing this, some guy's yelling at you, there's bullets whizzing by? What, what motivates Nick Umble back then as, as opposed to now? Um, I don't know. It When I got in, I just <clears> – <throat> I guess I just want to be a part of something. And then as it grew – and I went, I guess, I don't really remember those first four years. It's kind of a whiz, man, from 96 to 2000. And then when I got to group in 02, the special force, first special forces group in Fort Lewis, it, it was about being on a team. And and it was it was an awesome experience, man. I, that's 16 years of my life. I wouldn't, I, I don't know, you just get up every morning because you got nine or 10 or 11 guys. It's a 12-man team, so you got 11 guys with you. And it's it goes back to that whole, like, and in your world, everyone knows Bill Belichick's famous saying is like, hey, um, if everyone does their job, everything will be good to go. Like if 11 guys on a football field, if every dude does their job, you cannot fail. So it comes back to that. If there's 12 guys on an ODA, an operational detachment alpha, which is an SF team, <laughs> it, it goes back to that. If every guy does their job, right, everything's successful. Now, I mean, obviously, there's times when things aren't successful, and I've been in some of those times. But for the most part, you you get up every morning because you want to be there. It's something that you want to do. Okay, so you want to be there, but there's a little difference. I know you correlated to football, and that's fantastic because that's my wheelhouse and my hands as well, some of it. But on on the football field, if eleven guys don't do their job, no one dies. Okay, freedom is not lost. How 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 do you balance that when you're in the army, 18, 19, 20, 30? I don't care; it doesn't matter. But yes, I have to watch for my group, but I have to have to cover myself first. Or is it not that way? Or is it just a common denominator that everyone knows 
we're in this together, man. It's one of those. If it doesn't, yeah. work, we, we die. Yeah, it's a, it's a common bond. It, you you literally spend. It's it's funny, man. You you spend more time with your team, and, and when you're an SF guy, than you ever spend with your wife. It's like you're married to eleven other dudes, and you come home and wash your clothes at the house that you drop your stuff and sleep in a bed. It, it, it you're that close to those dudes. I mean, you know, ins and outs, you know, what makes those guys tick. It it's, it is, it is like the bond you build on a football team, but 10 times greater because people die in that organization, you know, in that organization, that line of work. So it becomes, so, and then it's just a drive. You've been through some wild, wild things. We, we talked off camera and, and things like that. What what guides you through? Like what what when it's it's hitting the fan, so to speak. What caused you to get through it? Is there was there was there higher power? Was it just your mentality? Was it your thought? Was it your heart? Was it your mind? What guided you through to the end process? Like I'm a, I'm a huge believer in God, um, and I think that having religion helps you out a lot. Um, but my toughest times, believe it or not, were not being in firefights in a foreign country or being deployed. My toughest times were being back home. And, and you, it, it's crazy to sound, but you train so hard and so much and so long to get to a combat zone or, or on a trip that it becomes second nature to you, right? Like that, it's not, it's just, it's mind over matter at that point. You, you're just, you're not going through the motions. You have to think, but a lot of that stuff is second nature to you. Like firing a gun, shoot, move, and communicate is a second nature. What becomes hard is when you come home, especially if you're married, you've been gone for six months, you know, you've done your own thing and been exposed to an extraordinary amount of stuff. And the person that you're married to or dating is running her daily life, but has learned to live without you being there. So now you go home and you try to integrate to live with that person again. And that's the hardest point. Like I suffered through depression and things more when I was home than I was ever gone. Like I wanted to spend almost my entire career deployed. Like there were times when I was like, I, I'll do a back-to-back deployment. Like going home was just not, it's, it's, it's a very different deal. Guys don't, you don't really hear about guys struggling with depression overseas. It's when they come home and they have to deal with, you know, I mean, you, you're an extra, you go through extraordinary things and then you come back home and it's, everything's normal. Is that for you guys, for the civilian population? Now you have to integrate into that. And so what you've been exposed to, you come home with it. it this doesn't go away. So like my, my biggest problem was coming home. Well, and it's got to be very similar to, you know, the celebrity or the athlete when they finally retire, they get injured and, oh, I'm no longer the greatest quarterback or the greatest actress or actor. And I've got to just go to the local 7-Eleven and get a Slurpee. And it's just weird to just throw on the, the quote unquote normal outfit and go. I mean, yeah, so yeah. How, did you, how did you bounce out of that depression? Um, I think I, pro- I probably went through like two or three bouts of it, man. The first time I went and got counseling, a head check is what we called it. Um, and that was probably like 2005 after my first rotation. I went through a real bad divorce thing as well. Um, and then <clears throat> I would say the next time I went to a selection for a special missing unit and I didn't make it. And that was the first time I had really failed at something in the army. And that really affected me because I put a lot of time to go to that selection course. So, and that was kind of like, I don't know, you just motivate to get, I don't know, I just self-motivate myself. Like, I'm 43 years old. There's no reason I should be out deadlifting five, 600 pounds and squatting five, 600 pounds. It's, it's most guys my age are not doing that. I just have this, I need to keep going. It's never enough. 
And so that's my motivation to keep it going. Okay, but where, where did you get that motivation? I mean, did you have mommy and daddy, aunt, uncle, a certain coach that gave you that from the start? Or was it, because you're, you're a machine in my eyes, you're built. Who built you or did you build yourself? I think it was a combination of my mom and dad. Um, you know, they've been married to be 50 years this November. So it was a combination of my parents along with just going through the trials of being in the army. Like that's a huge learning experience, right? So most kids go to college and I went to college at 38 years old and played football, man. I know what happens at eight o'clock class. No one shows up. Everyone's drunk. I'm over. They don't care. You know, and in the army, 18 years old, you might be drunk and hungover, but you're getting up running PT, right? Because if you don't, some platoon song is going to be in your ass. So you've got to be some sort of self-motivated and understand where you need to be at what time. You can miss a class in college and it doesn't affect anybody. Miss PT formation in the morning, physical training formation in the morning, there's somebody's going to be in your ass. And then it comes in sort of punishment. Like, is it written up or does somebody smoke your bags by just making you all these exercises? Or do they bring in another, what we call in the Army, Article 15, and now they start taking money and time away from you. So, yeah, man, you, you, you grow up a real quick man. You get in the Army. Dude. Yeah, you, you have to be a self-motivated human being or you're not going to make it. I mean, it's not it's not an issue of when you get kicked out or if you get kicked out, it's when you get kicked out because you just, you have, they're not going to mommy and daddy you. you I, I can't imagine that the the, the higher ups, they're going to, okay, come on, Nick, let's do it, Nikki, let's do it, buddy. They're going to be like, see you later or get going. And then when you, when you move into the special operations realm, it's even more responsible, right? Like now you're responsible for a ton more. And most guys that are going in there, when I got into group, I got into 24 is when I, when I showed up the first special forces group, but and when, when I, I was, the, I was 24 years old. Most oh, of 24 years old. I wasn't sure if you're doing some sort of codes again. Most of the guys on my team were in their mid to late thirties. Right. And, and that was the thing when I got into group, like most people in special forces were in the, their mid thirties and I was some 24 year old kid coming in. But by the time I left group in 2016 and retired, the average age of a dude, I think it dropped from like 35 to like 27. Why is that? Well, they, they, they started a whole lot of different programs. I mean, the war took a lot of stuff. A lot of guys, you know, you get burned out. You can only go so many six month rotations at a time before you're just like, okay, man, I'm done. And then there's guys that get out, guys that retire. And then, you know, so the, the age of an SF guy started the younger and younger because of the, some of the programs the army did. Okay. What advice do you have? You've gone through three bouts of depression. You've, you're a Green Beret. You've been all over the world, literally. You've been through hell and back. What advice do you have for people that are basically 40, 50, 60, 70, men or women, to help them on their journey? Because like when this whole show started, I was talking to Monahan, I, I, I'm reading up on it, basically drinking through a fire hose. And I don't know what the hell's happening, but it's kind of, I, I'm tiptoeing into it and saying, okay, this is something I got to kind of figure out here. What, what advice do you have, Mike? with you obviously have a lot of expertise and a lot of different fields so so my my whole thing was become comfortable being uncomfortable Ooh, right? say it again become comfortable being uncomfortable like that. that makes sense yeah, yeah it makes sense. so like you know you you want to sleep in your bed every night well you learn real quick to be on to learn that a sleeping bag on the ground needs to become comfortable for you so getting out of bed in the morning is like, you know, when people are having depression, it's, it's hard, man. You don't want to do anything, but you got to peel. You got to become comfortable being uncomfortable and being uncomfortable, getting yourself out of bed, going to the gym. Like, like you hear people make excuses and, and I've been married to Jen um, 
five, six years now. And she's like, you have literally eliminated every excuse to go to a gym because you have built an entire monstrosity of a strongman gym in your garage. Right. She's like, most people are like, oh, I don't want to drive to the gym or, oh, it's too far to go or, oh, the gym's closed. You have no excuse. It's out your garage door. Right. You have to walk 10 feet and you're in a gym. That's a word. And, and you've seen it, Rubio. It's a world class gym. Well, and that, that it brings me to my next question is what, what's next for Nick Umble? I mean, you're, you're kind of leaning into it right now. Tell, tell everyone what you're doing now. Your age, you're 6'4", 335, which is a large man. And you, tell, tell what have you gotten into and how did you even embark on this? What the hell? So two years ago before COVID hit, I was like, I don't, I don't want to go to a gym. I hate going to commercial gyms. I never had to do that in the army. We had our own gym for, for our unit and it was a, a world-class gym. It was awesome. And so I was like, Jen, we're going to buy a barbell, 400 pounds of weight and a rack that folds into the wall. And the next thing you know, I'd used all my weight and I'm <laughs> like hiring a coach Been in there. June of 2020. And I worked with him for about a year. And at one point he's like, how do you, what do you want to do? What's your end state here? I'm like, let's be the baddest man on the planet. Like, I'm never going to win five world's strongest men like Brian Shaw's a four time winner. Like I'm never going to be at that level. However, I could be at the level to be a qualifier. I could get my pro card. So I start training and I did one competition in February in Philly and got eighth. And then I did a competition in Delaware for Delaware strongest man and got fourth. And then I did a competition in October of those. You were all on 21. So October of 21 and I won that one. And I have a competition in two and a half weeks that if I can place top three, I can go to nationals in the end of June, which at nationals, if you place in the top five, you get invited to a pro-am. In a pro-am, if you place in the top three, you can potentially get your pro card there. So I've been doing this about two years, about two years since I started with 400 pounds and a barbell and a rack. And now, like I said, I just put in a Sornex um apex rack and i got stones and logs and um, i just put a brand new one inch sornex flooring in my uh in my gym and so we're going after it man i'm i'm shooting for so a i gotta program. ask the question I, I think i know the answer obviously would you say lifting weights and doing all this stuff and throwing around toyota tercels and camrys that's helped you out with your any possible bouts of depression yeah man i and, and it's it, correct it has and it also helps that i have like the most amazing wife in the world that supports my endeavors, right? Like, and you know, it. I mean, you met Jen, we were dating when I started the, when I started yeah. the whole long snapping thing. Right. And then we got married and she followed me. And then um, we moved out to Illinois and then we left Illinois and moved out here and she's got an awesome job now. And I got a good job and I'm doing this strong man thing. So we mutually support each other. And I think that helps it out as well, man. Family's the big thing and having a, a wife that's pretty understanding. I mean, yesterday she spent 10 hours with me, carting in 5,000 pounds worth of steel to put this rag together. So we both woke up this morning bruised and battered. And like, I didn't work out yesterday. I'm not going to work out today just because I was, I told my coach, I'm like, Hey man, I, I'm old, man. This is going to take me a day and a half to recover from. And so tomorrow I'll go back to it and hit it again. And you'll start it right up again. Humble. Oh, yeah. This was absolutely phenomenal, man. You, you were everything I expected and even more appreciate everything you've done for the long seven community. Men, women, uh, age 40, 50, 67. Yeah, and Humble, I might even take it from here. Um, really quick, you kind of talk about that team mentality. 
And I, as a former athlete, I definitely know what that was like because at one time, you know, the lights come up and the bill comes out. And next thing you know, you got to kind of figure out what it's like to be, you know, a civilian or not a part of that team. And so one of the big questions that I have for you and, and for men as well, because our identities are constantly changing. What was it like for you, that transition? And, and how did you find that, quote unquote, locker room feel that a lot of athletes and military vets are constantly trying to find once they get out? You know, I don't I don't know if I'll ever find it. I don't I don't know if you can ever find it. it and that's that is a it it I, I look at it like it's alpha male type thing, man, like when you're asked to do, you know, everyone wants to do lion shit until it's time to do lion shit. Then they don't want to do lion shit anymore. So it, it's, I don't think I will ever find the same mentality that I found, even when I played football and when I was in the army that I will find in the civilian world. So again, you have to be comfortable being uncomfortable. So I have to learn how to fit into society. And so I think that and it's a, it's a process, man. And I think a lot of guys expect that process to be at a snap of a finger because we are an instant gratification society these days. And so I think that it's it's really hard when guys get out there like, and it's hard for me sometimes. I'm like, you know, there's a rank structure. There's this, there's that. Like, it's not black and white, but there's it's pretty close. And a lot of guys get out of the army and they can't see that. And again, it's one of those things like, what did you enjoy when you were in? What What did you enjoy when you played football? Did you enjoy being in the weight room? We'll go back there. It won't be the same. You don't live with your buddies, but eventually you'll lift and be there. Like, and I know me and Rubio have had this conversation. Like most people want to go to a gym or my last coach, I think was the one I had a conversation with was like, most people need to go to a gym and have a workout partner. He's like, you don't, he goes, it's just you and Jen in the garage shooting the shit. Well, you do two hours worth of lifting. He's like, that's something that isn't normal. Um, and I think that, but that's another thing. Like you find that group of people, you know, if you want to go to a gym and it excited you go find that niche that you have and then figure out how to exploit that because that will make mind over matter huge. But again, it's, you know, learning to be uncomfortable. I absolutely love that. Come on hand. I'm going to wrap this segment up. You guys always know that you can contact us all at the rubiomethod.com. Listen to us on your favorite podcast, whether it's iHeartRadio, Apple Podcasts, Roku, Amazon Fire, Apple TV, and of course, NGBN. TV. Umble, once again, thank you so much for your time. You're a true patriot, and I'm so glad that you were able to be the first guest on the Rubio Method. Hey, appreciate it, man. I think, hey, Nick, it's been good. It's been cool, man. Thanks, guys. Big, big T, let it rain. <laughs> this is what too much sounds like. This is what stress feels like. And this is what help feels like. If you've lost a job, worry about your next meal, or have trouble making it through the day, we can help. Text STRESS to 211211 to find a solution. Focus. Focus up. All right, welcome back to the Rubio Method. Mahan just had our first guest, Nick Umble. What do you what do you think about that machine, that absolute just unit? Dude, well, first off, I'm absolutely blown away. Um, his just humility and then just just head down mentality of of going through what it what it looks like to be in the military, what it looks like to come out of the military. 
the craziest thing that even hit me was the fact that he said that it's harder to not be deployed than to be deployed. That was insane. That was just so intense. But I, I mean, I, I could grasp what he, what he was saying, but it was still just like you, because you, you watch all these movies and all that good stuff and you see, okay, you're over wherever you're at and all hell's breaking loose. And to come back to, you know, wherever your, you know, your home base is and to think about, yes, physically, probably easier, but mentality wise, so much more different And that. I agree with you on that one. That one hit hard to me. It was very, very unique comment that he had. Yeah. And because he even mentioned it too, the fact that most people get depressed when they're home, not when they're away. So, and it was really cool because, you know, something that is so, like so important that I think especially men need to know is like, here's Umble, who's the American warrior. Like we think of him as the number one American badass, but dude, like us men, no matter what our position or identity, we're not immune to any type of mental health or, or just any type of going through it, you know? Yeah, I mean, he, he three bouts of depression and he's not even, he's basically not even a human. I mean, can you imagine just your average Joe living life, you know, doing what you're doing, going through nine to five job, having married kids, do whatever, maybe a divorce. And this guy is an absolute machine. He's the Terminator and he's going through three bouts. I mean, it, it opened your eyes. It opened my eyes a lot. I'm assuming your eyes as well. Yeah. And the fact that he talks about that team mentality. Um, he kind of said it without saying it, but like, fellas, dude, guys, we can't do this alone. And so I thought that was really cool too. So those were my, my major takeaways. And, and I was just so impressed by him. And dude, uh, he could probably lift you and I both up. <laughs> oh, I, I know he can. 500 yards. <laughs> All right. So Maya, let's break into our last segment. The last segment of the show is called the bottom line. Anyone that knows me knows I'm an extremely bottom line guy. It's either black or it's white. That's why the logo behind me, you see it is black and white. There's a purpose for that. I, it gets me into a lot of trouble a lot of times with my wife because she'll be telling me a story or something and immediately it's with, I, they'd say with men all the time, are you listening or hearing? Are you hearing? Are you listening? I'm not sure which one it is, but I always say in my head, I'm always saying just bottom line it. What, do you want me to solve the problem or do you want me to listen? And it usually gets me into a lot of trouble. So bottom line, this is going to be the last segment's called the bottom line. Here's what we should learn today. We talk about Uncharted Land. We did an interview with Nick Umble. He's been on Uncharted Land since he was basically 17 and a half, 18 years old. I was on Uncharted Land with my sandals running as fast as I could to be the hero to deliver my wife's razor little flip phone, and boom, I fell. So what could I have done differently? Three things I could have done differently. Number one, it's okay to just tiptoe through life. I should have been a lot more careful and tiptoed through life. Number two, it would have been okay for me to understand that I don't know everything, that I don't know everything, and that's okay. It's okay not to know everything. I say it all the time out in Northern Idaho. We'll just say the men here are a little bit more manly, and they know tools and axes and trees and all that good stuff on hunting, and you'd be shocked. Well, maybe you wouldn't be shocked how many times they make fun of me because I say, I got nothing. They'll say, grab me this, and but I, I, don't, I don't know what you're even talking about. And they make fun of me all the time, but now it's to the point where my wife says, don't even bother grabbing a tool because you don't know what you're doing. You're going to end up screwing it up. It's going to cost us double. So number two, it's okay to admit you don't know something. And number three, the big one, how we got the show going, Monahan, is communicate. It's okay to talk to someone. As ignorant as I would have looked, it would have been okay to think, I don't know what's going on. Maybe I should ask my wife or, you know, do what I got to do. Wait until she got to work and called her and said, hey, 
can I run on ice with sandals? You know, maybe put two and two together. And those are the three big takeaways. You know, you want to tiptoe, communicate with someone, and, and maybe just admit that you don't know everything and you have the ability to learn. Monahan, did you want to add anything to that? Yeah, I think those are all fantastic. And, and lean on your brothers, man. That's that's what I got. <laughs> well, Monahan, we did it, my man. First episode down of the Rubio Method. I'm so pumped. I think this is going to be fantastic. I don't think I know. Uh, we went smooth sailing. I really appreciate your time. Obviously, we appreciate the great Nick Umbel's time. Remember, if you have any questions, you want to just talk to Monahan or myself, please go to therubiomethod.com. You can watch us on all, you can watch and listen to us on all your favorite podcasts, iHeartRadio, Amazon Fire, Apple TV, Apple Podcasts, Roku, and of course, NGBN TV. That's a wrap. Big T, let it rain. 